0: Hello, everybody. My name is Matthew Heinke, and welcome to Maximize uh, Talks. Today we're speaking with Katie Urban. She's the associate VP of Strategic Alliances at Park University. She's passionate about lifelong learning and working with organizations to invest in their people and professional development. She helps organizations understand the importance of investing in their people's happiness at work. So welcome, Katie. Uh, We're happy to have you here.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. I'm thrilled to
0: be here. You're welcome. You're welcome. So my first question is uh, just kind of an icebreaker, but could you tell us something about yourself that's maybe uh, something different, something interesting or unique that nobody might normally know about you?
1: Yeah, well, and I will say career-wise, it's really interesting. Um, My background is this neat hodgepodge that has brought me to where I am today. So I did 14 years of corporate HR before I moved over to higher ed. Um, And being in higher ed administration, a lot of people think uh, that I, you know, am working on the traditional education side. And while I'm passionate about that, um, I'm fortunate to be able to use so much more of my HR skills. Um, And so I deal a lot with people and relationships and engagement and, and, you know, how do we all work together and, and um, bring our communities together. So I'm able to really mesh those two together, which is nice.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds interesting. It's, yes. Yeah, I'm sure it's interesting coming from, like you said, the corporate world to the educational world. Uh, what have you found have been the main, the main differences between the two, the two areas?
1: Yeah. And that. That's one of the cool things that I get to do um, is um, really bridge the differences. Mm -hmm. Um, So much we hear people say, oh, well, you don't need a college degree or, you know, college is so expensive. And and it is. And and I will say education is continuing to to work on that. That is a never ending discussion of how we, you know, increase value and decrease costs and things like that. Um, and the uniqueness that I get to do is say, you know, when I was a corporate HR leader, here's the gaps that I always found in my employees. And so we really need to make sure as a um, higher ed learning institution that we're really helping fill those gaps. Um, and to the point, um, I'm currently building a certificate for students that is bringing those life skills. Everyone calls them something different, whether it's leadership skills, foundation skills, um, but it's all the same. Like, how do we, you know, deal with resilience and grit and time management? And you learn those things in a liberal arts education. We just don't always have the skills to explain it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a quick example, I have a almost... Uh, almost done freshman in college, He's, he's finishing up this week. And during finals week, he's so stressed out. And he's like, Mom, my English professor added another paper. And there's all this craziness. And I said, you know, not only are you learning English and math and history, but you're learning these skills that are critical in life, you're learning time management, you're learning how to have conversations with you know your your professors. Look, I'm struggling, and I need help. And here's how to ask for help. And so you're learning these critical skills. We just don't always know how to have those conversations. Um, and Park and and other universities are starting to really have those conversations with the corporate world. But how do how do we express the skills that we're learning?
0: No, I think that's really cool. That that's great. You know, I always thought that it would be good even at the younger ages, you know, at a very early age in the, the elementary schools, if they started teaching some of these uh, you know, people skills or life skills, like you say, where, you know, learning to to communicate better with each other, learning to deal with your emotions better. I think it goes a long way in, in terms of, of education. Because you're right, those are not really skills that they they teach normally. And, and even as a parent, you may not have the skills to know how to teach that as well. So Uh, That's cool. That's cool.
1: Yeah. And I I will say that is one of my passions before I came to park. It's always been my passion. And so my, my ultimate dream is to have a leadership Institute that's age and stage appropriate. So we're having these, we're Mm -hmm. talking about the same nine skills in middle school, high school, college, all the way up to retirement. And we're having the different conversations, but with my um, 17 year old daughter, I'm able to talk about, you know. This is a conflict. How do we deal with conflict? And even you know when they have disagreements, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so mad at so and so." Well, it's actually unkind for you to tell that to me and not tell it to her. And so you need to go to her and have a conversation. I know you didn't intend it this way, but it hurt my feelings. And so can we talk about that? Um, and it's really cool to see these teenage girls have these conversations. And what valuable skills they will have so there's not that girl drama there's this very adult skill development of hey let's talk through this as adults and and i think if we can start that conversation early the world will just be a better place
0: oh for sure for sure i think yeah you'll have less less crime less uh you know less poverty Uh just just having those skills you know even for myself learning the more i learn the 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 more happy I am and the better my relationships are and, and the, the more my my businesses grow. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I agree about, you know, I, I think seeing my children, you know, my daughter is 18 as well. And yeah, she is way, way more mature than I ever was at that age. So it's, it's cool to see how they're, they're, they're talking and, and they're doing things like meditating and mindfulness and all of that. Yeah, it's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: So, how do you think, uh, you know, in your in your job at the university, what are some of the ways that you're trying to incorporate this?
1: Yeah, so there's um, there's actually two ways that I'm really trying to carry this mission forward. One is internally, um, you know, at Park, I have told people since day one, like I'm here to listen to you. You know, come complain to me. I love I love complaints. Because when you complain, we know what the problem is and we can work to fix it. And that really comes from my HR world. I I was the HR director for a luxury hotel here in Kansas City. And we really celebrated customer complaints because we know if a customer has a problem and complains and we're able to fix it, the likelihood for them to return increases and for them to share their experiences. And I think we're so afraid to hear complaints um, that we, we don't welcome feedback. Um, and so that's one of the things internally at park that I really value is those relationships and conversations. And so I have people across the network come to me and say, I know this isn't in your lane, but here's a problem. You know, can you help me kind of problem solve and work through it? And it helps me build relationships, but then it also helps look at the real root of the problem Is it that we need to put training in it, or is it, you know, something else the real root of the problem? So I'm doing a lot of that internally at PARC. And then the external with my role of strategic alliances is I work with organizations outside of PARC to help them find um, educational and development opportunities for their people. And so I'm spending a lot of time with you know community partners to say, what's that to-do list sitting next to your desk that you always want to get to that you can't because time and money um, is is a challenge? And then working through with them, is that really the root of the problem? Is that really what you're trying to solve? Um, And so I I just worked with a community partner and we've created a six-month development program for their frontline supervisors. And it's these nine skills. like We now affectionately call it the sushi list. And it's these nine skills. And so we start working through the sushi list. You know, what do you want to work on this week? Or, And so, so I really, I make sure that we're we're having the same conversations, whether it's internal or externally, about these nine skills.
0: Yeah, that's and really I- cool. I, I I vote you for president. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, I mean, I, I really like what you said, that you, you said you love complaints. And I agree that, yeah, you know, People are, are afraid to complain. They don't want to, they don't want to look like the complainer. And there's a difference between complaining and trying to solve a problem. But, you know, if you as, as a, a business owner, or as a leader, you don't know what the problem is. Nobody ever tells you, then it will just get worse and worse and worse. So I really like that that kind of philosophy.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's funny, I just finished a meeting and I said, you know, we need to celebrate that people are you know, telling their problems out loud and not just sitting in their office. I, I told a faculty member a couple of years ago, you know, they were very frustrated in a meeting and I could feel the frustration. And so I, I set up a private meeting with them and I said, there's history here that I don't know about and I need to understand why you're so frustrated. And so she unloaded all that frustration and I said, I, I can't apologize for something I wasn't involved with, but I can commit to you going forward that I will do all I can to to work with you to move back, move forward and and be better. I said, but you have to commit to me that you're not going to live in the history and the frustration. Like you have to let that go because if you're going to sit around and just complain, then, Mm -hmm. then I can't do anything for you. But if you're committed to change, I'm all in. And the cool part is this faculty member now comes and shares with me all the time. Like, okay, here's the next problem. How are we going to solve it? And it's like, yes, we are making traction because they're they're not sitting in their offices complaining. They're talking about it in public and that we should celebrate when people come to us with, here's what I need fixed.
0: Mm, no, I agree. <laughs> we, we do a course on uh, psychological safety. And I'm a big proponent of, of psychological safety and where, you know, just letting everybody feel like they have that voice, if their voice can be heard. We're not going to judge you or criticize you for any of your your opinions or your ideas so
1: yeah I love love
0: it yeah I I do too (laughs) so I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about culture and not uh, particularly like uh, corporate culture but just cultural differences in the workplace Uh, you know people working maybe from their different uh, religious backgrounds or political backgrounds or just uh, coming from different countries or different races. And so what is your, what are your experiences with cultural differences in, in the workplace? Yeah.
1: You know, in this, this is such an important topic and it's not a new topic. Um, I am energized that we're talking about it more because I think it's so critical. Um, and as someone throughout my whole career have really Prided myself, even you know, when I was in HR, you know, it's not about the poster. You know, just because we have a poster that has all the colors and backgrounds and experiences, if we're not living that every day, if we're not elevating those voices, if we're not hearing the experiences, then it's just a poster. And it's actually more frustrating for people that we slap up a poster and say, "Look, this is we're inclusive. Look at us." Um, and our actions behind it don't show that. And so the the coolest conversations I've been having lately are just around this topic. You know, how do I as an ally always make sure that that I'm better and paying attention to my biases and my blind spots because we all have them. Um, but come come from a really positive place of wanting to learn and be better and grow and, and that psychological safety, that, mm. that environment where we can say, this may not come out right. It's coming from a good place, but help me understand. Um, and, and I will say, I, I have so many good friends in my network that are willing to be that voice for me, but then more importantly saying it is exhausting for them Insert label here um, to to be the spokesperson for that label, and so we say, "Oh, we have a person of color, so let's let's assume that they want to be the diversity officer. Let's assume <laughs> they're one person of color that they want to be, you know, on the platform, and they want to be seen, and they want to be heard, and they want to be genuinely understood, but more importantly." We can't put all the pressure of their, you know, background, culture, you know, country, um, life. We can't put that weight on them, and that's the thing that I think I have learned so much in the last eighteen months is Mm -hmm. with their grace saying to me, "We love you for coming to us and wanting to hear your our voice, but we also cannot always be." the poster for it and so we need allies and others to make it safe to to do that and and it's been it's been a journey for someone who's always been very proud to say i want to hear every voice mm-hmm. to know that there's more that i should have could have and in the future will always do and that has great value
0: mm-hmm. no that's really interesting i you know my wife she's uh she's from east africa but she's spent a lot of years growing up in switzerland so as a person of color being around you know predominantly white society uh she ran into this you know she was accepted and and there was there's no, I think there's a lot less racism in europe than there is in the us they don't really feel it like we do but she did feel like somewhat like an outsider you know of course and her her what she kind of says is, you know, as outsiders, wherever you're an outsider, it's you always feeling like you have to push to get in. You're trying so hard to get in, to get in all the time, but it's less work if the insiders bring you in, right? Because I'm one person trying to reach out to many, but if there's many people trying to reach out to one, it makes it so much easier. So I I thought that was an interesting uh, insight from her.
1: Yeah. You know, that's, it is, that is such a good point. And, just to put an explanation on that, um, I was having lunch this past week with with a friend and he said to me, um, you know, as a black man, he said, you know, Katie, when we look at a elementary school playground, if all of the white kids were playing on the equipment and all of the children of color were sitting on the benches, not playing, we would say, come on, come on get together let's play get the kickball come on let's do this but once we shift to the corporate world we don't do that anymore and why don't we um and more importantly you're right as as the you know majority in the room you know as the white people in the room we need to be more inclusive and invite in and um, I, I will tell you i hear his voice all the time because i was creating a leadership panel before the pandemic started. And I was so proud of the panel and I was sharing it with him. And he said, where's your black people? <laughs> and I was like, ah, cause we get so comfortable going within our network. Mm-hmm, and yeah, yeah. We need to one, be uncomfortable and put ourselves into situations where we're the minorities. And so now when I walk into a room, You know, I look at the table and say, where can I get different voice? Where can I hear about different experiences? I'm not going to sit at a table with people like me because that's comfortable. I'm going to step out of my box and and engage. Um, But then more importantly, when we're looking at meetings or conversations or, you know, even when we're planning workshops and conferences, you know do we have all voices heard you know are we going outside of our network and and making ourselves uncomfortable to to ask people that um, are different than us to have the conversation that has great value
0: no, i agree because uh, not only is it the right thing to do but as a human but it's also uh, you know the more diverse people you have the more diverse ideas you get and so you have a better chance of coming up with a new an innovative idea and you also have a better chance of seeing all those different possible roadblocks or, or risks out there and that can you know prevent you from from uh, wasting time and money and making mistakes so another thing I was just thinking about is you know when we take our kids to the playground we kind of we're always pushing them hey go go play with those other kids go play with those other kids and I was thinking that what if what if I you know what if someone did that to me you know, at <laughs> hey, go go talk to this, go play with these people that you never met before. You know, I would I would feel uncomfortable. And so now I realize, no, it's it should be I should be telling my kids, hey, invite those kids to come play with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and even to the point of, you know, it's okay to be a little awkward at the beginning. You know, if there's positive yeah. intent behind it, you know, people are most people are gonna see that. And you know, it's a it's a good thing.
0: Well, thank you, Katie. This has been a really great, great talk. Uh, I'm glad that we met. Uh, Do you have any, any final thoughts or advice that you would give uh, others out there?
1: Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. And, and I would say, you know, the biggest piece of advice I would give is, you know, we always say be kind, but, but really being kind means being authentic and being transparent and You know sometimes having those difficult conversations from a very positive place that is true kindness and you know when we open ourselves up to other people it allows us to have deeper relationships and deeper understanding and opens us up to other experiences so not just be kind but really open yourself up to that
0: that's right yeah take that extra step push yourself just to get out of your comfort zone like you said and 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 try to reach out. Well, thank you again very much. Uh, Katie, that was Katie Urban, Associate VP in Strategic Alliances at Park University.
1: Thank you. Hmm.